Welcome to the Looks Like Wandering podcast. I'm your host, Ali Barnes, and this is episode five, Strengthening Mixed Faith Relationships. I love this episode. Joining me today are three friends of mine, Nikki Johnson, who you may remember from season two, episode two, Leandra Baker, and Katherine Hadsel. Our conversation was actually much longer than this episode ended up being. Uh, it went from over an hour down to 40 minutes. But that just means there are, is so much goodness in this episode, so I hope you really enjoy it. I know that mixed faith relationships is not always a common topic in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when it does come up, it's not always in a positive sense. But I'm so grateful for these women for sharing their experiences of creating happy, healthy relationships that also include this one difference. I feel like they're giving a voice to something that we need to talk more about. And I'm just so grateful for that. Let's go ahead and go to the interview. Um, I'm going to start by having all of us introduce ourselves and kind of um, us as individuals and also how this topic pertains to us in our situations. Um, I'll go ahead and start. I'm Allie Barnes. I am active LDS. I lived in Utah for 12 years, recently moved to Portland, and I'm not married or in a relationship, but I grew up in a part member family. And for me, um, my dad's not a member, and I don't think I really thought of it until uh, I was in Young Women's, and I remember having a lesson about the temple in eternal marriages and whoever was speaking like teaching that week was like you have to be like getting an eternal marriage you have to find a member to marry a good member eternal marriage is all there is and otherwise you're not sealed to anyone and that's it and that was the first time i realized like oh i'm not sealed to anyone like this this kind of grief you know and you know looking back i wish the conversation and the lesson had gone so much differently <laughs> clearly um but I, I care a lot about this topic just because i think there are ways to so like so many ways to have healthy relationships and happy families and that one thing is not what everything is banking on necessarily you know um so i love that we're having this conversation about healthy happy relationships even if the couple is not or has not in the past connected on this issue. So, yeah, I, you should see all of us. We're nodding our heads. We're yeah. not saying anything, but we're all <laughs> nodding our heads to Allie. Yeah, I think we're all kind of the same generation. We probably had those similar lessons in young women's of this is the one path. So, oh. Yeah, well, this is going to be a good conversation because I'm already triggered. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> this lesson, oh. In a good way. In a good way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're changing the conversation. We're making it a good, a good, good thing to let people see the other paths. Um, Leandra, do you want to start by introducing yourself? And then we'll go Leandra, Nikki, Catherine. Sure. Hi, I'm Leandra Baker. And oh, where to start? Um, I was born and raised in Utah, um, active LDS. And um, so was my husband. And we got married as I like to say little babies. We were 19 and 20 years old, which, you know, in Utah Mormon circles, and I say that very sarcastically, because 
LDS culture exists all over. Um, but we were, we were right at the right age to get married. And, um, we got married, uh, in the temple and thought we were going to immediately have babies and start, you know, he'd be the breadwinner and I'd be taking care of the kids at home. Um, I, uh, that's not our story. We have dealt with unexplained infertility. Um, we've miscarried a few babies. And um, and so <laughs> about the age of 21, uh, 22, our story changed from the one that it was supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have babies. You're supposed to raise them at home and, and take care of them and love them. And um, and suddenly I was presented with, uh, with a world that nobody had equipped me for, um, because family is so important, but you're not a family until you have that baby. Um, and, and what I mean by that is even, even in addressing Christmas cards, um, we'll get, we'll get a Christmas card that says to Sam and Leander Baker. Whereas if we had children, it would be to the Sam Baker family, you know, like we're not a family until we have a baby. Um, and, and I know that's unconscious and people don't think about it that way. Um, but we brought that into our marriage. We weren't a family. We weren't a family. We were roommates and we ended up going to therapy <laughs> because we didn't have the tools that we needed to be able to be in a healthy marriage. Um, And we got into therapy um, and I said, you have questions about your faith that you're not addressing. And he said, I don't want to, because if I do, then you'll leave me like so that's that's the start of our story into his faith transition. Um, I am still active, and he has since transitioned to uh, an atheist uh, stance. And I did want to clarify. Um, I let him know that I'd be on chatting with you. And he said, will you please you know, convey the actual definition of atheism. A lot of people in religious circles uh, think that being an atheist means that you hate religion and um, and you're out to get those who believe in God. But literally, being an atheist is simply not being convinced of a God. That's That's all it means. And so it's... Um, he he identifies as atheist and that's been a new thing within the last year that he's finally been able to embrace that. And, and, you know, faith walks are always fluid and changing, um, throughout our lives. Um, but that's the best label for where he's at right now. Thank you for that. I have so many follow-up questions, but I'm going <laughs> to, Let's switch over to Nikki, if you if you will introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, perfect. So 
first of all, I just, I have a lot of things I would like to say about you, <laughs> Deleandra. Um, your story is beautiful and I can relate to it in some ways and obviously different ways. And I think you're just a beautiful soul. It's clear that you are a good person. So anyway, um, I was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And so I'll try to make my intro a little shorter than my podcast a few weeks ago. Um, But basically, I was born and raised in the church. I was in Orem, Utah, which is obviously just Happy Valley smack dab in the middle of it. And it could be worse. I could have been in Provo, but (laughs) I was in Orem. So anyway... Um, I ended up serving a mission. I served in the Dominican Republic and that's where I met my husband who was also serving in the Dominican Republic. And so after our missions, we started dating and got married and we were very, very much involved in the church, loved it. I mean, the church was a huge part of our relationship, mostly because we met on our mission. You know, we'd go to the temple all the time. We were very invested. And then about a year into our marriage, he expressed to me that he was having doubts. And I was like, okay, well, you just got to read your scriptures every day. Just got to pray every day. Just go to church. Like your (laughs) doubts will go out the window. You will be just golden. Yep. Just push it harder. Like just give it a chance. And he's like, I've been giving it a chance for 25 years, but, or I guess at the time it was 22 years. But um, anyway, so I was very much like, you got this whatever. And then five months later, we went to Europe together and got home from our trip. And I could tell he was kind of off. And we were just talking one morning and he just told me out of the blue that he was done with the church. And I was completely blindsided. I felt completely betrayed and just honestly, like my life had fallen apart. Like I was like, you basically lied to me when we got married, which is just untrue. But I had felt also completely alone. So basically answering your question, Allie, what does this topic mean to me? This is something extremely personal to me because I felt completely alone. Anyone I went to was like, I don't know what to tell you. My husband is the bishop or my husband is the elder court president. And I was like, great. And they're like, you just got to keep going to church and be an example for him. And that was really hard because suddenly church was about someone else instead of my relationship with God. And so it was just a really, really hard time for me. It was hard spiritually. It was hard in our marriage. And so for a few months, divorce was absolutely on the table. We were, I, I just did not know how to handle something like this. The life that I had been shown since I was a little girl of, if you get married in the temple, then you're going to be happily ever after was suddenly a complete lie. And I was like, I was married in the temple. I did the things I was supposed to do. So it was a horrible, horrible time. And um, luckily, after a few months, we I, I want to talk about this later more when we get into our discussion, but I had a critical conversation with my sister, where it completely changed and turned around for me, where I decided to stay in my marriage and decided that I could have a happy marriage, despite our religious differences. And so we were mixed faith for about two years after that. And then I ended up actually leaving myself and I left about a year and a few months ago. So we are both out of the church, but um, before, way before I ever left, we had a very happy marriage. And so I am very passionate about showing people that it isn't so gloomy (laughs) and it is possible and it can be very, very happy um, and that there are options. You know, sometimes divorce is the right answer, but sometimes it's, it doesn't have to be the only answer. 
Thank you. Yeah, that's what struck me about our conversation a few weeks ago where um, you mentioned that, yeah, religion is a big thing, but it's only one part of a relationship, of a bond. Like, there's so many other things to connect with someone on. Um, and so, yeah, focusing on just one over anything else is not always the best thing to do. Right. Let's go to jump over to Catherine. Hello. Okay. Um, so I am Catherine, and I met Allie actually as a missionary. We met in the Mission Training Center, so we've known each other since we were missionaries. Um, my dad was it's inactive. It's been a decade, Catherine, by the way. It's been a decade. <laughs> we've, been a, we've been friends for a long time. Um, my dad was inactive when I was a when I was a little girl and my mom was Catholic um and then we were sealed when I was young and I was raised in the church in Southern California and um I for a time I think I was the only sibling that was still active um and I got married in the temple and had three babies and then got divorced. Um, and when I started dating again, I it was all new because back when I first dated, like there was no Tinder, there was no mutual app, there was no there's nothing like that. So it was kind of a whole new thing for me, you know. And I didn't really have I think my idea of romance had been crushed because I had been very, very hurt. And felt like love didn't really exist. Like people uh, like got along but weren't like in love, you know. And then I met my now husband. And when we met, I knew that he was a very active Baptist. He was the worship leader. Um, he was on staff at the church. And so, but there was just like this undeniable chemistry between us. Like we, we just you know, were, he just is my person. And I like, we are really close. And from the get go, it was really hard. Not, I mean, Allie's been there the whole, you know, I called her and was like, Oh my gosh, I had this great time with this guy, you know? So the whole time she's been with me through this walk and, um, it was something that came up really early on. I mean, we were just connected at the hip from, from the get go, but it was something that came up early on and I was very concerned I was always afraid that he was going to break up with me because we had such different opinions. And the most comforting thing for me through our whole dating experience was I remember sitting on his couch and I told Allie, I think this is the night he's going to break up with me because we're going to have this church talk. And we sat on the, on the couch and I was like, here's what I believe. And this is what I, this is what I've always been taught. And, I don't know what I know. All I know is I have a good relationship with Christ and you have a good relationship with Christ. And he was like, then the rest is non-essential. And I hung, like I hung on to that. And that has been kind of our saving, our saving thing right here. It's like, he always is like, well, my relationship and my walk with Christ is this and your relationship and your walk with Christ is that. And as long as we're both, you know, trying our best, then that's going to be, um, that's going to be enough. And so 
within the last year, I've had a lot of questions about the church. And I might just recently, hey, mom, sorry if you're listening. Just recently, my shelf broke. And I, and I told Michael, I have all these, here are all my concerns. And he's been so positive about letting me find my own walk. And he's never pressured me into leaving the church. He learns as much as he can from me about the church. Cause he's like, there's all kinds of stuff out there. That's hard to sift through. So he's been really positive. My daughter's getting baptized this year. Um, her dad is still active and, you know, we've been talking about how great it'll be for all six of the kids to be at the baptism together. And so we still are on, we're still navigating this, um, marriage where we have different opinions about what's going on. And, and I think the biggest, most important thing is that our, our centers are on making, making it work for each other. You know, he's helping me on my walk, wherever, whatever that might be. And I'm helping him on his walk, whatever that might look like. And, um, it doesn't have to be the end all be all of your relationship, you know, um, if you're putting each other first and each other's walks first, then it can make it a lot simpler than it has to be. I, I put a lot of anxiety about what, what if he breaks up with me? What if this makes our marriage too hard? What if this makes this too hard? And I end up wasting a lot of energy on something that doesn't really matter because in the end, I love being with him and he loves being with me and we love parenting together. We love being a team. And so these things aren't the you know, thing that's going to break our marriage up kind of like I had been, I don't know, taught my whole life that this will make your marriage really hard. It doesn't. It's just another thing that's different. People budget different. People, you know, practice different things. People live different. You know, he's a very clean person and I'm not. I'm kind of a messy person. And so there are all kinds of things that will be stressors on a marriage. This can just be another one that makes it different from everybody else's relationship. But it doesn't mean that it's any less or any less important. And I think the biggest thing was I had this romanticized idea and Leandro was kind of talking about it as well, but I had this romanticized idea about what a marriage should look like. And when I took this like pressure of like cultural pressure off the marriage, so much happiness was just like spit into our relationship. You know, it was, it was amazing how much that just took the pressure off of, of that ideology and we just got to focus on the core of the relationship, you know? I love that. You mentioned kind of your own faith journey in here. Um, and I'm just briefly going to say, I remember there was a time a few months ago when you were struggling with something and you, or, or something like that. But I remember you saying, but still I've never felt closer to God. And I feel like you saying that kind of opened my eyes and my mind to, uh, that worship or your relationship with God doesn't need to look one way or the other, you know, or it doesn't have to look like a cookie cutter LDS, you know, whatever, you know, the fact that you were learning to live your life in a way that felt good and you felt so confident about your relationship with God. Um, that just was awesome to me, Catherine, and it impacted my view of my own relationship with God. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Um, so you I, know, Oh, sorry. Oh, so sorry. You know, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was being married in an, in a relationship with mixed 
faiths is one thing, but also we have two groups of children who were raised one way and one that was raised another way. Um, so we have three children that were are raised Baptist and three children that have predominantly been members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that stark contrast has been interesting as well. And something that I jotted down as something that I wanted to mention was I feel like it was very healing for our children to go to a different church and to experience other people's faith and do Bible study with other people because my kids were like, are you sure this is, this is where God can dwell? There's a guitar here. Like they have a guitar mom, (laughs) you know, and and to have the conversation, like, you know, don't you think Michael is a good person and he's doing his best? Do you doubt that Michael's praying? Do you doubt Michael's understanding of the Bible? Do you doubt? No. So we have good people out there doing their best. And there isn't the dichotomy, I think, that we sometimes place in like members Christianity and Christianity, Christianity outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think that was a really refreshing thing for my kids to see that like, good people are in the church and good people are out of the church, you know? Amen. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I love that. Um, so I had emailed you guys a set of questions, but I feel like I love everything that you're saying and we're connecting a lot of things. So I'm just going to kind of let this go. And what do you guys wish that people would know or what counsel would you give to people on this issue or on like how to navigate um, mixed faith in a, a relationship? I'm just going to... Nikki or Leandra, do you have anything to add after Catherine has spoken? So I'll let you guys take it. <laughs> so um, I mentioned briefly my sister's conversation with me, and this was what completely changed the game. This is completely what changed everything for me. And she sat me down and she said, basically, she's like, you have no idea what the future holds. She's like, let's say theoretically you divorce. Okay. You go and you find someone and he's like a bishop of a, like this amazing member who's just so enthralled with the gospel and you get married and she's like, who's to say that in five years he wouldn't leave? Also, like who's to say that he would be as good as a husband as Dallin is in all these other areas? And I thought that was really beautiful. And she said, and you never really know where you'll be in five years. You don't know where he'll be in five years. And so you have to look at this issue and Allie, you mentioned this up, but you have to take the marriage outside of religion, which is so hard in the LDS church because family is like the core. I mean, it's the second thing they tell you after God is our loving heavenly father. And it's like families are, are forever. And so I think it's so hard to separate marriage outside of um, the gospel and outside of religion. But I really think that so many marriages could be saved. If you look at the marriage as a whole and you think, you know, could I have this kind of friendship, this kind of relationship with someone else? Or am I, can I be happy with all these other qualities? And the truth is, honestly, without the religion component, I loved basically everything about Dallin. I thought he was an amazing husband. And Catherine, I loved, I loved what you said about how the second that you let go of that pressure, like all the happiness just like flooded in. And that's how it was for me. So that was something like whenever someone comes to me and asks me for advice, that's what I say. I say, evaluate your marriage outside of religion, even though it's really hard, like do your best. Think of, are they, do they do service? Are they kind? You know, are they a good leader? Are they a partner? Are they, are they there for you? You know? It was interesting because somebody had said to me, couldn't you have started dating somebody that was a member 
Like you marry who you date. And I'm like, yes, I did marry. Like I married Peter Priesthood. I, I, I married what everybody told me to marry and I wasn't happy and we weren't happy and we didn't have a healthy relationship. And I became friends with someone and instantly it was like, this is what it's supposed to be like. And so if you are working on a relationship, the other things fall into place, whether that's cookie cutter or not, you know, but it, it was interesting. I, I feel like I wish I could tell people how hurtful it is when you say, like, couldn't you have found somebody in the church that treats you like this? Maybe, but I didn't the first time, you know, maybe I could have. And so when you lessen someone's value as a partner, like that's my partner. And when you lessen his value because he doesn't wear the same title as you or, you know, because he doesn't wear a white shirt to church, like those things lessen him as a person. And that is so demeaning to a relationship and it's not helpful um, and so those are just things that I've, I've thought, I wish I could tell people like, don't say that, <laughs> you know, and there, are th- I wish I could go back and not say things that I said to my friends, you know, so don't say things like that. If someone's chosen somebody to be their partner and they treat them well and they love them and they treat their family well, let them be happy with their agency because we've, we, I say we, but the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints talks so much about agency. And then when somebody uses their agency in a way that's not the way that you would use their agency, it's like, well, couldn't, they have, couldn't you pick someone else? You know, no, let me use my agency to find what makes me happy. You know, I'm, I'm over yes. here laughing so hard because yes. <laughs> um, something that I wish people knew and I'm going to get emotional about this because he is my person. Um, we've got each other's backs. And something I wish people knew is how much he struggled wanting to believe in God. Like, somebody will offer him, hey, what about this version of God? Or here's this speaker and this teacher, and they're the person that rekindled my faith. And he'll get in there And he'll genuinely come into it with an open mind looking to see if this version of God holds. And it won't for him. And and he'll be judged for that. But if you could see how much he absolutely would love, like how much easier his life would be if he could have kept believing the way that his family wants him to, you know? And to, like, it's one of those things. Uh, he works with his brothers and cousins, and uh, they'll have really in-depth conversations at times. And he'll come home, and he'll be like, "I don't, I don't know if what I shared was helpful because the amount of strain and heartache and just work that we've had to put in to be okay." Um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Like, I wouldn't wish somebody to question their faith the way that I've had to question my faith. Um, and so he, he watches what he says around people because, because if their version of God and their version of religion is working for them, good. I'm so glad for you, but don't discredit 
the work that he's put in to try to find a God that works for him. And, um, and he has, he works really hard to love people exactly the way that they are. And it's funny because I joke that he's more Christ-like now that he's an atheist than he ever was as an active <laughs> member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, Sometimes that happens. <laughs> <laughs> he has, through his growth and development and, and his faith walk, um, he has been able to decide what's important to him and loving his people is important to him. And he's able to love them without wanting them to show up a certain way, way which I don't think we do a very good job <laughs> um, through a religious lens. Mm-hmm. You know, again, use your agency, but only in the ways that we want you to. You know, I, I also want to add to that. I think that is beautiful. And I think, Um, Something that kept coming to my mind as you were both talking is when Dallin left, actually, I shouldn't say first left, the entire, you know, year and a half, two years before I left, any time that he stepped out of a room and we were with family, so let's say he like went to use the bathroom, suddenly they would turn to me and be like, how is he doing? Is there any progress? Like, has he been praying? And I was asked that all the time by everyone, by friends, by members. And so if you're a member who's listening to this, who knows someone who's in a mixed faith situation, it is not your job to check in. It is your job to just be there and be a support. And if they want to talk about it, they will talk about it with you. I promise you. If When I wanted to talk about it, I talked about it. And I don't need people to be like, where is he at? What's he doing? Because like Leandro, what you're saying basically is what they're telling me by doing that is they only see him as that one thing. That's all they really see a him member. as. A member. Yep. As like someone who has left. Like he is so much more. And it was heartbreaking because instead of them asking me, you know, how's marriage going or what fun plans do you guys have together? What are your future goals? Anything like that? It was always, always 100% about him and his, where he's at with his faith. And I actually agree with you too, Leandra. When Dallin left, he became an even better husband, way more of a loving and accepting person. And I'm just saying that there are there's people both in and out who are very loving and accepting, and there are people who are not in both in and out. But, um, but I just wish people want to ask. That was one thing. Like That was so hard because I just, again, if I wanted to talk, I would ask you for your support and help and just to be a listening ear but I did not want people to follow up every other second that we were alone. Yes. Can I, I have (laughs) finding people in my real life who were safe places for me to share my story and and for them to hold space for us. Allie, you asked us the question, what would you tell someone struggling with this? And what I wrote down was, I'm sorry that you feel so alone. I'm sorry that it feels like nobody else in your real life can hold this with you, can bear witness to your confusion and the non-answers that you're sitting with. And also to reassure you that there are people who are capable of holding your story 
they might not be the same people that used to hold your story, that used to bear witness to your life, that used to be the voices that you went to for reassurance. But those people who are willing to to hold space for you exactly the way that you are and not tell you that you need to be different or that he needs to be different or, uh, you know, that if only you were more righteous, then things would be better. Um, there are people who are willing and capable and able to love you, love your marriage and love your spouse exactly the way that you are. I love that. Um, and I, I feel like from talking to all of you, there have been times when when you've noted similar things where there's just not necessarily people talking about this or you don't know necessarily who to talk to because the people around you haven't experienced it or been in the same situation. But and that's why I'm so happy that we're doing this, though, because then people will know that they're absolutely not alone. And and I I just think that will mean so much to people. I have to go get kids from school, but I just, before I left, I wanted to say that, you know, if you, if you are in a faith crisis, cause I am and it's new and it's hard. And if you're in a faith crisis, it's okay. And I feel like that's healthy for people to question. And if we never questioned anything, then <laughs> that's not right either. You know, if you never question anything, that's not right either. And I'm lucky because I found somebody that is a wonderful, kind man who exemplifies Christ. And I hold to that so dearly, you know, people outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can exemplify Christ too. And if we give people a chance to uh, have their, their works be in action for what kind of people they are instead of just the label of worthy priesthood holder or not, then we can find the true exemplifiers of Christ, whether they know it or not. You know, those that's that's who we should engage ourselves with. Those are the people that we need to circle ourselves around with, the people that are trying, the people that treat people nicely, the people that see others for who they are. And if that means they're agnostic or atheist or ex-members or Baptists or LDS members, Church of Jesus Christ, it, it, whoever they are, that's who we should be surrounding ourselves with. And if your circle isn't giving you that, find a new circle. Find a circle that will give you that safety because that is so important to our, our spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health. Okay, the last thing that I will say, and it's goes with the last podcast we did, Allie. It'll be like <laughs> so redundant, but I don't care. Is setting boundaries. Setting boundaries are so important in a marriage. And we had to have very direct and real conversations when we were working through the beginning few months of him leaving, where he was like, well, what are lines that you do not want crossed? And I had to say, what are lines that you do not want crossed? For example, he did not want to be pressured to attend church he didn't want to have the missionaries stuck on him or anyone from the ward. He didn't want to pay tithing. And so those are some things that he was like, I'm very, I do not want that. That would be too hard for me. And for me, I said, okay, I do not want alcohol in our house or anything against the word of wisdom. So no coffee, tea, alcohol. That's something that I felt very strongly about at the time. Um, 
when he was first leaving. And then as well as Isaac, I don't want to hear any criticisms against the church, like any quote, anti-Mormon unquote literature. I don't love that phrase. So I, that's why I put it in quotes whenever I say it, but um, I didn't want to hear any, anything against the church. We both had boundaries. I think sometimes when someone leaves the church, everyone in the church looks at that other spouse as being wronged. Like they're the ones that are being betrayed and like, so they have to set the rules for what they're comfortable with, but both sides are going through something really hard. And I think both sides should feel completely open and safe to discuss where they want to be. And, and sometimes you can't compromise. There are couples who are like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be held to the rules of the word of wisdom, or I like, I need us to be attending church as a family. And if you truly can't live in those boundaries, then maybe divorce is the best option. I think that it's important to remember that divorce is acceptable. It's an acceptable way to go. But I just hope that people understand that that's not their only option. When this happens, people will tell you, you know, there's no way to have healthy boundaries. There's no way to have a happy marriage without the gospel. And so the best option is divorce. But I think that, again, I've said it a million times. If I'm on your podcast again, Allie, I'm probably <laughs> going to say it more. But boundaries are the key to any successful relationship. You have to have boundaries and you have to respect one another's boundaries. And that is the most important thing I'll say. And so I will finish with that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Leandra? I want to talk about therapy. Um, I mentioned that uh, we transitioned through his faith crisis uh, with the help of therapy. And I know that to a certain degree, our family blames therapy for the fact that he left, but that is not accurate. Um. He had questions long before, Um, and I actually, he and I were talking a few months ago, and I asked him, when do you think that your faith was the strongest? Like, when when do you feel like you leaned so the heaviest that you've ever leaned on your testimony? And uh, he shared a certain point in our marriage, and I just kind of laughed because I I said, do you remember that that's literally the first time that I brought up divorce? Like, we were in so much pain. And the answers that we were given was, you know, just pray harder, just, you know, attend your meetings, like, uh, and all of the answers that we were given were leading to dead ends. We were still in so much pain. And and that's when he felt strongest in his faith was when we were living as roommates and hating and, and questioning whether we should still be married to each other or not. Um, and I just, I laughed at that and uh, um, finding a good therapist there's a difference between a therapist and a good therapist and not, not every therapist is going to be the right fit for you to support you to, to be there and hold the space for you. And I say hold the space, like everybody knows what that means, but basically be a safe place where you can dump out all of your garbage, all of the stuff, all of the conversations that you don't dare have because they're too scary and, and you don't feel safe enough. Um, and then navigate your way through it. That's, that's what a good therapist does. And if they don't give you the tools to navigate through the hard conversations, um, find a different therapist. Thank you. And I love that. I'm also very pro therapy. (laughs) And I think any tool that you can have, um, whether it's these kind of of issues navigating or just anything in life, any tool you can have, the better. So absolutely, I love that. 
Anything else before we end? If anyone ever needs friends, we'll all be their friends. Yes. Um, we would. I would love to chat. Allie and I were talking a few weeks ago, um, and I was really struggling because I was like, I just want it to make sense. I just want, like to have these nice boxes that we exist in. He's no longer an active member and I'm divorcing him, you know, like check that box. Um, But I have learned how much God is in the gray. You know, we want life to be black and white, but God exists in the gray in the most beautiful of ways. And he can do us so much in this gray space and in the confusion and, Um, and so if that's scary, just know that there are other people in that gray space too, and it doesn't have to be scary. Thank you so much again to Nikki, Leandra, and Catherine. And thank you to their partners for showing so much love to these women and letting them share part of your story with us. As I mentioned before, we had to cut down a lot of this episode. But these women also shared some resources that helped them feel less alone as they navigated a mixed faith relationship. And so I'm going to put those in the show notes at lookslikewandering.com. If you've liked this episode, feel free to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at lookslikewandering. You can also leave a review on iTunes or share the podcast with friends. Thank you so much for being here and check back soon for another episode.